Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by Nick Frazier, who is with Agreco a company that is leading the way in power generation for the oil fields. But first, I want to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which it features Tom Pyle. He is the president and founder of the Institute of Energy Research. And for all of you that think that Shell does not cover the other side of the topic, if you will, this is an advocacy group that talks a lot about energy and some energy reform. And we were able to catch up with this great organization and really get their ideas on what energy can do to help in, of course, the discussion of climate change. To read all about Tom Pyle, be sure to go to shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn all about his great organization and, of course, catch up with the latest issue of Shell Magazine. I'm not sure if this is on your radar or on your calendar, if you will, We are having our State of Energy Corpus Christi, September 22nd. This will be a sold-out event, guys. You want to get your tickets now. We're still accepting sponsors. So for more information, go to shellmag.com slash stateofenergy. And be sure to join the fastest-growing energy chamber in Texas. It's called TEAK, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. If you want to get back into the groove of things, attend great mixers, be able to advertise your company to the right buyers. Teak is the chamber for you. For more information, go to txenergyadvocates.org. Again, that's txenergyadvocates.org. And now it's time to bring on my co-host for today, the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. And I'm so uh, glad to, we have some bad weather in the Gulf but it does look like it's heading down towards my beach house, and that just gives me a lot of uh, loss of anxiety, if you will, knowing that yeah. I'm not having to head to Corpus to board up my house again like uh, not too long ago, not too many years ago. But anyway, you're right. It's beautiful weather here in San Antonio, Texas as well. Let's get started. We have a lot to discuss. Another positive week for oil and gas, David. WTI yeah. went up to $37 at one point. So my question is... As always, can you pull out your crystal ball and tell me where do you think we go from here with the price? Oh, boy, it's a good question. You know, so much depends on uh, what the OPEC Plus group does um, when they next meet. They're supposed supposed to meet on June 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some reports this week that that meeting, you know, could even be delayed from that date. But uh, when they do, it, it looks like... Anyway, Russia and Saudi Arabia have agreed, among themselves anyway, to extend the deep production cuts that uh, the group agreed to for May and June. They want to extend those for several more months before they begin tapering them back. But the big hang-up has been that several of the countries, big surprise, have been cheating on their quotas. Gee, imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wouldn't have thought that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's so funny. Uh, how many times have we seen that story over the last 50 years from OPEC? But oh, yeah. Anyway, 
So Saudi Arabia and Russia are really focused on, you know, trying to force those countries to to live up to their agreement mm-hmm. uh, under the deal and cut their production. And then also they want them to begin making up the overproduction that they've uh, engaged in over the last couple of months. Um, so <laughs> they've worked that off somehow. So uh, hopefully that will all get done by June 11th. And if it does, then I think we can expect to see – you know, prices stay at least and possibly even rise some more uh, going into the coming months as, as demand comes back, you know, because everybody's restarting their economies now and business is starting to, to come back and people are driving more. So demand is ramping back up. So Yes, and people uh, get on the planes and go take your favorite vacation. Now is the time. We need to burn off some of this excess. <laughs> Uh, Vegas reopened this week. Yeah, they so did. They did. My son lives in Vegas. He went last night to the grand opening and came back with $333 in his pocket. Good for him. Wow. Good for him. But yeah, but he went over there with 1000 in his pocket. <laughs> no, I told him, don't spend more than 50 Just go check and see how loose the machines are. <laughs> okay, let's go back to oil and gas. Keeping in mind some of the producers, we've been seeing some reports, especially in the Permian Basin now. That we're starting to see a, a beginning of a reactivation, if you will, of the shut-in wells. Now that prices are firming up, what do you think is going on over there, and how much will this continue? Well, you know, and we we are seeing those reports. I I'm, honestly, I'm skeptical that it's as widespread as some people are saying. I know we've seen uh, reports, that, for example, that EOG Resources and Parsley Energy told reporters that they are beginning, they're going to start restoring some of the production that they had shut in. And that's being characterized as just a willy-nilly free-for-all of everybody going back in and turning all the wells back on, right, and mm-hmm. all this production back online. But, um, you know, I, I just don't really think that's right. There's not that many wells uh, if, in the grand context of the over 200,000 producing wells in Texas. There's not that many that are profitable, even at $36, $37 a barrel. Right. Um, and so I, I think it's a pretty limited number, frankly, of wells that are being turned back on because producers aren't going to to restart a well that's not profitable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I just think uh, it's pretty limited, and no one should really expect any kind of big spike in production in Texas or anywhere else uh, for the month of June. Makes sense. Let's turn in the direction of south a little bit. What about the rig count? Last week, just one operator filed for a drilling permit in the Eagle Ford Shale. So yeah. when can we expect to see the companies in that area reactivate those rigs and get the frat crews back working again? Yeah, it's a tough thing. Boy, the Eagle Ford Shale is almost shut down in terms yeah. of drilling. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the rig count, uh, the Inveris daily rig count was at 314 at the end of the week which is by far the all-time low. Uh, The Baker Hughes rig count was down around that level. And, you know, Baker Hughes has been publishing its rig count for 60 years. Mm -hmm. And before this month, this past month, had never gone below 440. And so now they're in the low 300s. That tells you what a deep reduction this is. And no one is reactivating drilling rigs right now. Yeah. So that's when you start to see that number come back, that's when you're going to start to see overall U.S. production start to rise again, but but it's going to take reactivating several hundred new rigs. Uh, So, you know, when can we start to see that? I I honestly think um, 
you're not going to start to see that rig count rise really substantially uh, for the rest of this year. I, you know, it might go up another 100, 150 rigs, mm-hmm. but that won't even be enough to maintain overall production. And because, you know, all these companies have their second half of the year budgets in place, and they're not going to go back in and change their budgets uh, unless you see a big spike in oil prices, which I don't think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a gradual rise, but we're not going to see a big spike. So I just think, you know, I do expect the the rig count to rise over the rest of the year, but it's not going to be, you know, back to 1,000 active rigs. It might be back to 500. Um, So it's going to be slow for the rest of this year. Yeah, well, you know, I was having a conversation this morning with a, a VP out of Halliburton. You know, they got hit hard. They did a lot, they had a lot of layoffs. And his uh, discussion was just, you know, uh, that it's going to be difficult, right? But he said, you know, if if you have the salespeople out there that are trying to make connects and everything, if they didn't know the people in the oil and gas, like, you know, every, every you know, so often they'll hire somebody from the outside to come in, and but they're a great salesperson and they can just learn oil and gas. And he's like, not, not right now, not anymore. He said, you, relationships matter in this energy industry, right? We, we all know that. But it's a whole different ballgame that if you just don't have an inside track, it's it, because operators, their crew, their, their team, their, their uh, office team, they're just not coming out and meeting for lunches and, yeah, let me catch up with you. There's just too much going on on the planet right now. And they haven't really gotten back a lot of the operators and and service companies. They're not even back to a normal work week yet. So uh, they're still on the furloughs and and taking turns, and they're not operating at full capacity. So that was his point, was how much uh, a difference, you know, literally, what, two months has just completely changed the whole entire industry. And... uh, it's pretty uh, shocking. So I'm really hopeful that we get back to some normalcy sooner than later just to get people back to work, get some normalcy going, uh, get the children back in school and and go on you know, down the road with our lives. But David, that is all the time we have for this segment, and I look forward to having you back on when we bring back on Nick Frazier, who is with Agreco. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our free business snapshot that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now. 
210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash business snapshot. Start dealing with a company you can trust and will always be there for you. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. And now it's time to bring on our guest for today, Nick Frazier. Nick, you have been on the show before, so welcome back to the Oil Patch Radio Show. How are you doing post-COVID-19 release? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I'm sitting here in beautiful uh, Permian Basin right now, and uh, we're, we're, we're holding on strong, and, uh, you know, I think the, the state's kind of, you know, revolving back to somewhat of a normalization. Uh, I see it out in the field. Uh, of course, things never really uh, 100% stop uh, out here within the oil and gas industry. But uh, it was definitely a, it's definitely a learning curve for us all. And, uh, you know, it's kind of altered or changed how we go about business day to day. For sure. We're going to get into that. Now, uh, Agreco has been a longtime partner to Shell Magazine and uh, in the oil patch. You guys are servicing some of the largest uh, oil and gas service companies in the way of power generation. And that's what the show is going to be about today is talking a little bit about where are we, where is Agreco. And you are the account manager slash technical sales for Agreco. Before we get into what are you seeing out there in the field, how is it affecting business, and then, of course, your day-to-day, how you have been processing uh, a new way of conducting business in your in your specific area, let's start with a little bit about Agreco. I'm sure almost all of our listeners are very familiar with the company, and it might not be necessarily in oil and gas, but... We've all seen the Agreco compressors that are powering up these large stadiums for temporary power. So give us a breakdown. Agreco is this huge global company, um, and you're focusing on one area, but tell us about Agreco, and then we'll jump into oil and gas sector. Sure. So uh, Agreco is a worldwide company. Um, we have over 60 locations across North America. We operate in ever, every major shale play in North America as well. Um, and, and really, we, we do three main cores within, within the marketplace, and those cores being temporary power solutions, uh, process heating and cooling solutions, or temporary temperature control, and uh, providing 100% oil-free compressed air. Um, and we service several markets, uh, again, Yes, I focus mainly within the oil and gas sector, but uh, we service several markets being petrochem and refining, manufacturing, industrial, building construction services, et cetera. So uh, 
that's kind of the, the, the core business or basically the backbone of exactly who we are, what we do. Um, and we, we provide those solutions with our uh, in-house engineering and, and, and we actually manufacture a lot of our own uh, rental equipment as well. Yeah, and, you know, rental equipment and powering um, at these stadiums and stuff, it, it's amazing to see. I follow some of your social media platforms, uh, especially like on Facebook, and looking to see you guys are into mining and, then of course, temporary power solutions, and then, of course, oil and gas. So it's just a huge company with a lot of different uh, moving parts to it. You've been with, with Agreco for 12 years an account manager in the technical sales area. And I know in the past when we've interviewed you guys, it's, it's really uh, been an amazing thing to, to understand how you guys work because it, you're not cookie cutter in necessarily. And what I mean by that is you'll take a job and uh, I guess maybe in y'all's world, no two jobs are going to be alike. And you have the capability of actually customizing something to fit. And when we start talking about oil and gas, or I would imagine mining projects, or, or how are you going to take a rural area and put 100,000 you know, people attending a concert, uh, how are we going to power that? There there's just seems to be a lot of customization and being able to find a solution for a problem. And I think that um, as we interviewed you guys, your company last year, it became apparent that that's one of the greatest niches that you guys have is to be able to really bring your engineers and problem solvers, rather it's in the United States or global worldwide. Uh, Tell me about those processes when you look at oil and gas. How do you all approach these somewhat unusual projects that you're getting? So that's that's. That's a great point. Or we get approached by producers and customers uh, within the oil and gas sector. We like to pride ourselves in being an artificial lift expert, uh, meaning there's various ways and various uh, methods to, uh, you know, produce uh, oil and gas and and, and produce wells um, and, and various means of artificial lift as well, from a pump jack to electronic submersible pump to gas lift. Uh, Etc. So uh, when, when we get approached, uh, you know, we, we basically want to understand from the customer what it is they're looking to do. Uh, they may not know anything about power per se. They just know they, they have a 400 horsepower pump down hole that needs to operate and produce one. Um, so us being the, you know, subject matter experts, uh, we'll take that information Tell me what kind of drive it is. Tell me what how much horsepower it is. And we will engineer and tailor a solution directly for that producer um, and with all the things that they want. Do they want redundancy? Is redundancy uh, not necessary? Can they take downtime or outages should service be needed? Uh, those are some of the key questions that, that you know, we ask our customers uh, whenever they, they, they look at or turn to a Greco to provide them power, and and it could be on a single well location to powering multiple wells from one location uh, through our microgrid uh, type setup. So uh, there's it's it's a very technical, in depth, you know, conversation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we like being more of a partner and not so much a a, a commodity in the, in in that sense, right? Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people out there have a box that produces power. Um, but it's it's what you can do technically 
with those boxes to provide uh, an engineered type solution. Exactly. Not to mention efficiencies and just becoming the problem solver for the company as the expert, like you said. When we come back from break, Nick, we're going to get on to the main three processes that Agreco really focuses on in the oil and gas sector. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEEK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Nick Frazier, Account Manager, Technical Sales for Agreco, one of our great partners and friends here at the Oil Patch Radio Show. Nick, before the break, uh, we were talking a little bit about what Agreco really is all about as a company. Um, it's uh, been a company that's been around, it's a global company, been around for a long time, but you guys are really f- fixing problems in the oil and gas industry and, and an expert in that field. But you guys specialize in three different areas for oil and gas. And, you know, some might say we're in a little bit of a lull. Some might say, oh, this is going to last for a while. But we happen to believe by uh, interviewing a lot of our experts in the subject matter that we're expecting a rebound soon and we'll start seeing red counts going up. And so it was time for us to get back into our day-to-day routine. And I'm thinking we need to get a Greco on to talk about what they do because as soon as we start rebounding, start seeing rigs going back up, we obviously want to make sure that everyone is aware what you guys are focusing on. So there's three core areas you guys focus on. One of them is the temporary power solution. And for our listeners, they don't quite understand how technical oil and gas is. Uh, for those who are listening and think that it's just a real simple process, you you know put one of those big-looking rigs up and boom, you know it's operating uh, not so at all. You have to think about how are you going to power it out in no man's land or how are you going to get it functional. And this is where an operator will turn to you or Greco, and start inquiring. What specifically is the uh, temporary power solution you guys offer the industry? So we offer various solutions. Uh, You know, the first approach that we we take at this is we want to make sure that we right-size our solution to what the customer needs. Uh, you know, there's there's various sizes of, of power generation that's available. Um, you don't want to oversize, and you definitely don't want to undersize. Uh, you know, those two those two is, key things there cause issues on both sides and potentially drive up uh, further costs for the customer. And boy, um, efficiency so is the name offer, of the game. 
it's efficiencies and, and, and lowering lease operating expenses right mm-hmm. now is definitely key. Mm-hmm. Right sizing and, and providing an engineered type solution. If we can if we can install or implement a natural gas solution versus a diesel solution, there's savings to be had there. If we can install a microgrid versus individual generators per each well, there's efficiency gains there. So there's a lot of different gains that we can we can look at, we can run the economics on, and uh, truly find what's best for the customer. And at the end of the day, what's most economic for their business, whether it is a diesel solution or a natural gas solution or CNG, LNG, propane, etc. And, you know, you're bringing up a good point about the CNG, LNG. And, you know, a lot of the operators also are practicing social environmental responsibility and they're recognizing rather it's through their shareholders their board members that they need to become as energy friendly as possible and agreco has a lot of that built into their into your uh systems and your uh um, equipment that are looking at not only just efficiency but also uh, do we really need to run diesel versus a natural gas that's going to burn cleaner talk to me about some of the processes that you guys have been using in the past to to look at not just efficiency but environmentally uh, friendly type of equipment sure so uh absolutely lowering your carbon footprint is definitely key but i think it goes deeper into that kim i think uh you know these producers out here in the state of texas and other other uh shell plays as well they're paying the state to burn off or flare if you will that natural gas uh, there's nowhere for it to go. The pipelines are maxed. The natural gas that they're producing out of their wells, they're actually having to flare and pay somebody a penalty or a fee. And it's only going to continue to, uh, I don't want to say get worse, but as far as uh, the the carbon footprint of each individual producer is, is watched heavily. Um, and, you know, with the EPA cracking down on, on Certain states are, are more stringent than others. For example, Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, North right. Dakota, South Dakota, et cetera. Right. All, they all have different criteria, if you will. Um, we're, we're blessed here in the state of Texas, uh, but it's only a matter of time before, uh, before Texas becomes just as stringent on, on EPA and emissions. And therefore, when we look at what you guys are doing of capturing it and repurposing it, you know, that's a beautiful thing because that is exactly environmentally friendly and reducing the carbon footprint. When we come back from break, I want to get back on this topic you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, Call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Nick Frazier, uh, Technical Sales Account Manager for Greco. Nick, I want to revisit again your temporary power solution because we've had a lot of discussion uh, recently from the Texas Railroad Commission, very unhappy with the amount of flaring that's occurring uh, 
in the Permian Basin and in all and in Eagle Ford. And we believe that we're going to start seeing some movement in that area. But a lot of the operators have also really stepped up and said, we need to watch our carbon footprint and we need to do what we can do to reduce the flaring. And some of the greatest processes or equipment, if you will, that you guys have actually take a look at that and actually reduce it for the operator. Tell me what you guys uh, are doing in that area. So, yeah, essentially uh, we're doing a couple different things. So um, we we obviously are capturing that flare gas and turning it into electricity for the producers um, through a microgrid solution or even just a single well application. We can we can turn that flared gas that is that the producer is actually paying a penalty on and uh, and generating uh, positive revenue on on two streams. Um, but even even further into that, we're also with sites that may not have wellhead gas available. Uh, maybe uh, there you know it, there's a very number of things that that could play into factor here, but. They don't want to spend the capital to run a flare gas line to our natural gas gener- generators, et cetera. We can take flare gas, and we've partnered with some companies that uh, that make a, either CNG or LNG, which can provide sustainable fuel for our power generation sites and, and run everything that the customer needs to run at a very, very low rate. Uh, or low fuel cost, if you will, compared to diesel. So CNG and LNG is definitely a, a big factor within our business, and and is another you know driving factor for the, the producers themselves to to lower their their uh, their emissions and lower their their flare costs. Right, and you know, looking at that, it might be a little bit of a of a charge up on the front end to do that process, but. It also seems like to me on the back end of that, it actually is reducing their costs because they're reutilizing what they're recycling, if you will, and using it in the way of powering that. So it's kind of a full circle recycling type of effect that seems to be happening here. And I, and I hope that the operators that are listening will uh, listen and understand we need to start moving in that direction. And many, many are, by the way. So I want to make sure I put that out there. Let's switch gears and talk about processing and heating that division and department that's focusing on oil and gas. Tell us about that. So we're making a, a, a huge effort currently in today's market, and, and it's been a focus point of ours in previous years as well, is, uh, is really pushing our key temperature control business uh, into the midstream and pipeline industries, and as well as uh, your upstream as well. Um, so when, when you think about process heating and cooling, the first thing that come to my mind and kind of what we try to target and address and help our customers do, uh, in the summer, it gets very hot out here in West Texas. Up north, obviously, it's a little different. That's where the process heating comes into play. But out here in, in, in West Texas and New Mexico, the summers are very hot. And I don't know if you've been out here uh, lately, Miss Kim, but there's hundreds of gas plants everywhere out here. Right. Um, and in the summer, their their throughput is 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 lowered because of temperature constraints, basically. So we can come in, we can actively engineer a solution to increase their throughput in the summer months and prevent bottlenecking uh, and not accept, accepting the full maximum amount of gas 
so that they can that they can physically process. So basically, it's kind of like a D rate of the gas plants within the summer months, um, and and it's just getting in there and and helping them uh, identify and and construct and engineer a, a solution that that can you know allow them to process more uh, than they normally would be able to. And I mean, I'm sensing from you that we're talking about efficiencies right there, but also when they struggle in the summer months, the hotter months, to be able to produce it, is it also going to be at a cost savings because obviously they're not receiving as much and maybe they're overtaxing and overworking the plant itself. So are those two areas that they should be looking at to make sure they avoid those bottlenecks? I mean, is it also an efficiency issue that can, they can, they can well, help with that? Sure. So uh, this is purely efficiency gains. Um, and it's purely a, 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 an economic gain as well. But it goes all the way back to the original conversation we were having earlier in regards to emissions and flare. Uh, this is allowing the gas plant to accept more of the upstream customer's gas and allowing them to process more and in turn driving higher revenues uh, for the, the gas company that's processing the gas. So it's, it's it, again, back to the, the comment you made, it's similar to a full circle uh, type deal, if you will. Very good. It sounds like to me we need to start looking at rebranding Agreco as Agreco, your environmentally friendly solution company, because um, you guys really are offering a whole lot um, in that area. And we know that operators are really uh, very mindful of that situation, that they have to reduce their carbon uh, footprint, they have to reduce their flaring. And as we're coming out of this post-COVID-19, uh, you know, the poor industry got a double whammy, right? First it was uh, post-COVID-19, then it was um, uh, Saudis flooded the oil market, uh, flooded our uh, global con- or our global planet with oil, if you will, in Russia, and it just bottomed out. And as we come out of this and climb out of this slowly, I think obviously the number one thing they're going to be looking at is efficiencies along with how do we tackle our uh, or reduce our global footprint, if you will. When we come back from break, Nick, I want to talk about this 100% oil-free air compression, if you will, for pipelines or compressed air for pipelines and how is that utilized? Because pipelines have also been very much uh, in the media pertaining to some of the flaring issues some of the operators have been doing as opposed to uh, paying for it. So I want to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing in that area. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of 19 energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind, supporting our community. In 2019, our first full year of existence, we committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and helped secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade health care, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here. And neighbors are supposed to help each other out. For more information, go to permianpartnership.org. Permianpartnership.org. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth. 
and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show our guest today is nick frazier account manager technical sales for greco nick we've talked about the temporary power solution that is definitely energy efficient as well as reducing the carbon pr footprint for operators and how environmentally friendly a greco has been in its processing of the heating and cooling as well but let's switch gears and talk about the 100 percent oil-free air compressed air for pipelines First of all, tell me what the problem is for operators and why y'all's process of, of this compressed air that's oil-free is so vital for them to use. So, sure. What's out in the marketplace nowadays, uh, you have various uh, large diesel-driven air compressors, uh, some of which and most of which are oil-flooded machines, meaning the air that that compressor produces has a saturation of oil particles within the air. Um, with what we offer is a 100% oil-free uh, stream out of that compressor. So there is no cross-contamination or oil particles within the airstream. Um, and what that allows us to do uh, for the pipeline industry uh, in general is we're able to come in after the pipeline commissioning uh, hydro test is completed, we're able to come in and drop that airstream down to a negative 40 degree dew point very fast, very quickly, very efficient, and get that section of pipeline dry to where they could put it into service as soon as possible. Um, unlike the oil flooded machines where additional filtrations required, uh, you could end up saturating the desiccant within a dryer uh, with oil over time. Um, so there's a lot of gains to be had with 100% oil-free uh, compressed air versus uh, uh, oil-flooded machine. Well, you know, there is a lot of pipelines being laid, and there's a lot of activity in the midstream area. And, you know, you talk about we're able to do this in a relatively very quick amount of time, turnaround time. These pipelines need to go down to a, a negative 40%. And... When I think about what you're saying to me, I'm once again realizing that here we go again with the discussion of efficiency, which is going to lead to cost savings and also environmentally friendly because you're using just, it's taking less work to do. So what are the advantages in those areas that um, really set up why a midstream company needs to be utilizing more processes like this in place as opposed to using Maybe what might be a company that might be a little cheaper, but is it really cheaper? It's, it, it makes no sense to me when we don't look through the whole supply chain. Like, okay, so if you're going to buy something cheap, you're probably, it's not going to last long, right? So what's the differences out there Correct. in the way of efficiency? It might cost a little bit more, but it's really going to save you money down the road. 
so I can I can speak directly to that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I ran 100% right into that exact scenario where it was a uh, it was a panic call from a from a customer and um, they chose to go with a cheaper option um, and that cheaper option ended up costing them three to five more days of rental of all the, the pipeline equipment paying their guys uh, there it was a three to five day delay and and you know I don't want to quote exact figures but it was a substantial amount of money that they were spending on top of just to try to get this project done that should have only taken eight hours of this particular uh, test that they needed to do. Um, so there's a, a huge efficiency gains with having the, the right equipment service and operating, which, you know, we as well as I'm sure others, we, we go through various testing here at, the, at our depots before we ever send them out to, to their jobs. Um, and then being able to achieve down to the negative 40 degree dew point uh, quicker than other pieces of, of kit that's out in the market is definitely an advantage because, uh, again, you're, you're cutting your commissioning time uh, substantially in some cases. Uh, and, and, and it's just it's, it's a win for, for the actual pipeline construction company themselves. And these efficiencies, when you look at it, and especially as we come out of this COVID-19 situation, the price of, of oil is still going to be relatively low. They're having to focus on the most efficient ways to do it if they want to come back and, of course, you know, set up rigs or continue to operate. And you know, being able to do it, do it one time with a company that you obviously know has done their research and is an expert in this area to me. I, I, I just, you you kind of get what you pay for and you set it up perfectly. You can spend more days out in the field. You can spend more days on your uh, HR or the salaries you've got to pay for the guys. It just ups your cost or you can do it one time and get it done right. I want to ask you a question before I let you go. So you're out in the field, you're the account manager, technical sales. What does your day look like now before and then after COVID-19? How are you operating? Well, I will say this this week and last week has been quite refreshing. Uh, I've been spending a lot more time outside of uh, outside of the home office um, and getting out into the field and, and seeing the amount of activity and and who's doing what and what's going on. Um, again, as I stated earlier in, in, in our interview, you know, here in Texas, we're starting to return back to, I guess, a somewhat normal state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still not there yet. And, and it has uh, it has definitely altered the way that I do business through teams meeting, virtual meetings. Uh, of course, I like to get out in the field. I like to shake hands, see how things are going. Uh, obviously, you're you're a little more cautious in doing those type things nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's got their hand sanitizer, so to speak. But uh, uh, a typical day now is, uh, you know, I try to spend about half of my time out in the field identifying and seeing what my customers are doing. And uh, and then the rest of the time is, you know, through Teams meetings and, um, and taking care of the admin type work uh, that's involved with, with what we do. So you're driving and zooming if you will you know prior to coast uh covid19 i wasn't very good with zooming which you know is the online platform for the video having conferences and now it, it just seems like second nature to be doing that 
I guess I want to leave with Agreco is a great company, but it's a huge company too. So if they want to reach you and get a specific proposal or a question answered, where can they go to to reach you? Um, and I would not say to give out your phone number. Is there a specific place that we can send our listeners to for inquiries into Agreco? Absolutely. So you can you could do agreco.com, just as simple as that. That's A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Or you could call us at 1-800-AGRECO. Um, and our uh, customer service representatives will answer the phone immediately and uh, get you patched over to the appropriate parties or person, depending on where you're calling from and, and uh, you know, where you're needing help at across the country. Uh, so we have various sales reps all over North America, uh, various depots and technicians and operations teams. Very good. Nick, thank you for coming on the show today. We really enjoyed talking and catching up with the Greco. Hopefully, we will see you out in the field soon once again. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, guys. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.